Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast is brought to you by Hustler Hollywood, your one-stop shop for all things erotica, with 11 stores across the United States. Our sexy shelves are stocked with DVDs, books, lingerie, vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, fetish gear, and bachelorette party supplies. At Hustler Hollywood, we know that sex is free. We only sell the accessories. If you're at our flagship store in the Sunset Strip, located across the street from the world-famous Rainbow Roxy and Whiskey, mention Energize and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous. LF and LF, Lawn Friend and Larry Flint, energetically connected for more than 30 years. Scotty, Energize. Energize. Unscripted, overwhelmed, underdone, high cholesterol, low expectations. This is Lon Friend. I am back in the saddle. Hello, Steven Tyler. I know you're listening in on Maui. No, you're not. Of course you're not. Why would you be listening? <laughs> Thank you, Aaron David Gleason. Good to hear your voice on the on the uh, intro again. Um, Mike Stark, thanks for having me back. Okay, so reference point, I haven't been in this studio since last July. I did 54 shows here, Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. And then as sometimes things happen, a wind blows and and then it stops blowing. And I was taken to the desert, to Las Vegas, Nevada. And I've been there almost a year. Um, I really uh, can't tell you how the touched and excited I am to be back in this chair that it's almost like my aura got here before I did just the smell of San Pedro and I was hoping that a gull would shit on me as I was getting out of the car just to to bring back the memory of being near the ocean on Monday nights sometimes you do things in your career that are mistakes sometimes you do things that don't lead you to prosperity sometimes you do take turns that are odd. As a writer, I've taken odd turns. I've made, obviously, some odd choices. But uh, this studio and this gig was, uh, and still is, uh, in top top five best lawn friend adventures, career adventures. So, um, God. I have a really good show. And it just kind of came together serendipitously. I've been, um, I've been talking, um, emailing with Wayne Swinney from Saliva, who had a, uh, we could just call it what it is, a near-death experience recently, a week or so ago. And <clears throat> he's going to call in and talk about it. I think it's cool. I, I've never interviewed Saliva. They came along. They were born in 96 in Memphis, and their arrival was just at the sort of my A&R, like the middle of my A&R years at Arista Records, so I had left RIP two years prior, so I never got to uh, 
do any journalistic work with them. Even in the KNEC.com days, I just never encountered them. But then I discovered that um, Wayne is like, you know, a fan who grew up on the magazine and stuff. And he, he, he just almost crosses over. And you know what, how much I love crossover stories. I've been to the other side. And uh, we've been working my way back for a decade or two. And they just naturally just reached out and he said, Lon, I want to tell my tell the story and he's going to be here next hour. Oh, got to catch my breath. Got to get a yoga breath. And then I discover when I'm at this award show in Las Vegas and the Sarzo brothers are there, Rudy and Robert. And Rudy, I had interviewed for a book that I worked on called The Rockstar Remedy by Dr. Gabriel Francis. I did 24 or five interviews for that book. And Rudy gave me like his whole holistic rap because that's what this is about, this book. It's like I'm doing good works. I'm doing kind of healthy shit in my life. And I got to write for this doctor who's a holistic healer. And this book is just an amazing experience. So we're at this award show. And the Sarzo brothers are sitting right next to me. So I sit down and, you know, Robert's always got the crazy hats. And and then it comes to mind that I ask him, I say, so do you live, where do you live? He goes, it's, I live in San Pedro now. I go, what? So when I, when I decided, I was, or didn't decide when the, when the stars aligned for me to come back and do this show, because Nam is coming up. So I come to Southern California once a year. And I come more than once a year. My daughter lives here. Of course I come more than once a year. What an idiot statement that was. I came. I would come in to, to NAMM, and I'm down here in the South Bay. To, I said, Mike, I'm going to do a show. Can I do a show? He goes, of course you can do a show. So here I am. And I, I, I called Robert. I go, Robert, I go, Robert, don't you live in San Pedro? He goes, yeah. I go, well, come, come in studio. Hi, Robert. How are you, Lon? Nice <laughs> to see you again. <laughs> so he had to, like, like five-minute walk, and he's here. A skateboard. <laughs> He's skateboarding here. Everybody here in San Pedro has a skateboard. <laughs> it's like being in Dave Girl's neighborhood back <laughs> back in uh, in Alexandria. Everybody just skateboarded each other's houses and cut their demos. Well, it's nice little hills here. Yeah. Who else? Well, Charles Bukowski lived here. But uh, anyway, before I, uh, well, we've already gotten started because this is obviously people who listen to this show in the past or follow me know that I have very little structure in my life. Just know that Wayne's coming up next hour, and Robert and I are going to talk, and we're going to play something from his record. But when he comes, first thing Robert says to me when he comes in is, you know, I recorded an album called After the Storm, and there was a storm, and it destroyed my boat. <laughs> Tell that. Was, and, and that was, you know, it's been my home for over a year, um, off and on, because I've been out with uh, Queen's Reich, uh for... Quite a bit. <laughs> I will just go away for a whole month and come back. And uh, so, um, yeah, uh, last month on the 12th, I have my headset on and working on Pro Tools, working on music. And it's about midnight and things start rocking. And uh, 
in the news, they said, which is going to be rain. You know, it's like, well, you know, rain, what's the big deal? I lived in Jersey and Miami. Yeah. What's rain? You know, it's yeah. just, that's normal. Well, dude, you were born on an island in the Pacific. Yeah, I was born in Havana, <laughs> yeah, Cuba. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you see a lot of rain there. So anyway, uh, yeah, things started rocking. I'm like, well, it must be me. I'm really tapping my foot really hard. You know, I'm tapping to my, uh, my track that I'm recording. And until things started falling off and hitting the ground and it's like, oh, Jesus, I threw my headphone off and I hear lines are starting to break off. And uh, we were on the uh, Channel 4 News. Um, yeah, we were on the, that day. We had to get uh, evacuated and rescued at uh, 3 in the morning. Rescued? And Yeah, uh, through our uh, salon window. Uh, my wife, my four dogs and I, we had our vest on uh, just in case we fall in. But you don't want to fall in because the wind was so powerful. It was crushing the boats. It made a huge hole in the back and the stern. And Oh, yeah, the boats total. It's, 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 yeah. And just a little while ago, I had to climb up in the boat because it's still on a crater on Long Beach. Um, and our stuff is still in there. And I just found out that Friday... It's when they're going to come and take it away. You would think the insurance company will call you and say, hey, you know, uh, we're taking the boat. Get your stuff out. No, my stuff is still in there. I think people will also enjoy the synchronicity that that you were also in Hurricane. I created Hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> you've, been, you've been manifesting bad weather for a long time and now finally came to fruition. But things are looking better. I see the light. Uh, I had a, actually last Saturday within this whole insanity because my wife and I were living in the RV with our four dogs that it's in the back of the cover of the CD. The CD is called After the Storm, and I, I named it After the Storm because I recorded and produced it after Hurricane. And um, that's where we're living right now uh, in, in the RV. Thank God for that. And uh, But I've got, you know, like, Dogs right under my feet as I'm, you know, working out songs, and so we we did our uh, preview last um, last uh, Saturday at our showroom, which is a great room, and uh, it's, it's like a TV studio. But anyway, we sold out over capacities, and the band uh, that I have right now with the Salute to Santana is fabulous. Who, These who's, guys, who's in your band? Uh, Kristen uh, Muraga is a Latino from Chile, percussionist, conga guy. He's, he's, he's just intense. Mm -hmm. And also Rene uh, Camacho, he's a very well-known bass player. Mm -hmm. uh, then I got Richard Martinez on drums, and then I got also uh, Jimmy Seville on keyboards, mm -hmm. and I got uh, myself, and uh, who else? Oh, Matt Callen, he's playing horns. It's a six-piece band. I'm singing lead, I'm fronting it, and uh, we're doing the early Santana work, and we're doing also... Like uh, a Braxis? Yeah, Braxis, yeah. We're doing all the greatest hits, mm -hmm. and uh, it's very intense. The band is really intense. And I'm keeping them very intense. Everybody's like on high energy. So mm -hmm. uh, it's not a tribute. It's a salute. I'm saluting Carlos Santana because he really opened up my path being a Cuban immigrant when I was growing up in Miami. Uh, no one took me seriously as a rocker playing guitar after the Beatles. So it was until uh, Carlos Santana really got known in Woodstock that it was, hey, rockers can, you know, uh, can be Latinos too. So um, now that I've been, you know, you know, touring for pretty much all my whole life, I figured I want to salute Carlos Santana. He really that's changed my life awesome. and all the other Latinos. So that's it is called a salute to Santana. That's exactly what we're doing. And you're and you're staying true, true to the tracks. Oh no, I even it's gone as far as getting the SG Red Devil, wow. the same style. And, oh, you're uh, using the same gear. 
Uh, well, you know, I, close I, to the same. Gear. Well, he's been using a lot of different uh, amplifiers. I've been mm-hmm. noticing uh, from the live tracks back in Woodstock. So, but the sound is very close, and you know, the sound comes from the player's hands. You can have one guitar player sounds like one person. You give the same equipment to another guitar player, and it's going to sound different. Of course. The sound comes from your muting, your hand, your finger techniques. Santana does really interesting phrasing, and the way he plays, he'll be playing with the pick, and then he'll upstroke, and then he'll play in the front of the beat and the back of the beat, and also he does a lot of muting and finger picking. Like Samba Pati, he does a lot of that. So he's always changing, and every time he performs live, which is what I grew up with, he, he changes the tracks. He'll play it a little different. Depends on his mood. And, and I grew up, you know, in the 70s, and you jam. Yep. And that's what you do. You really are playing within with the soul of every other musician on stage. I'm glad you bring that up, because in the 70s, I was an air guitar master. I, I was in my room with my brother, and we would, we'd shred tennis rackets. Because I don't have the talent to, to play. I didn't get that gene. My dad's a piano player. It missed my generation. But I, I write because my dad's a piano player. Right? Fingers on the keys, something. There were songs that I used to shred to in my room with my brother all the time. You know, whether it was The Who or or the Aqualung, the solo to Aqualung, Martin Barre solo to Aqualung. I have memories of being in my room and being a mirror star and standing there and pretending I was. There was an artist that I love so much, and I'm, gonna, <clears throat> I'm, I'm circuitously getting to, to a track I want to play for somebody. Do you remember Tommy Bolin? Oh, yes. Love Tommy Bolin. He, I was, my brother and I used to just lose ourselves on his records. The te- the teaser record and yeah. and private eyes and there was a song that we would we would sit in the room and we it's a, an eight minute opus called Post Toasty we would play it over and over again. I have a friend in Las Vegas named Chef Gary Simon. He's a he's like a rock and roll chef and he's been uh, suffering from a f- aggressive form of Parkinson's disease called MSA. And he's such a courageous dude because he's – I met Bill Murray through him because he's he, – Bill Murray and him have been friends for 30 years. And I met Bill Murray because of Carrie Simon. That was surreal. What I'm saying is what keeps Carrie Simon going is music. Food, he laughs, but it's really music. And he's an enormous Tommy Bolin fan. He, he loves him. So I figured tonight on my first show in six months, I'm going to play Post Toasty for Carrie. And it's good having you here because you're a six-string man. Wayne Swinney is a guitarist. It's all lining up, and Nam is coming, and everybody's getting in that shredding sort of mindset. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk. We're going to play track from your After the Storm record. But I'm sending this out with much love to Chef Carrie Simon. Post toasty. Oh, this is Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast. No, you're not dreaming. I'm here.
It's a really long song, but it's it's one of the greatest rock anthems of all time. They don't make songs like this anymore. With all the changes. You gotta have a lot of changes. That's the 70s. Changes. could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean. So Jack ignored her flabby tits and licked her asshole clean. 
Oh, big fucking stew. Give him this for another three months. Okay. Little Bo Peep fucked a sheep, blew a horse, licked his feet. She ate his ass so very nice. Tongued his balls not once but twice. Oh. It's been an hour since night. She checked her makeup by the vanity. Then changed her clothing ten times and fed the kitten with her daddy. I can show you your life. Let me sing you your life. I can show you
Energize le podcast de Lan Amigo, mi amigo Ru Robert Sarzo, una chica inocente. <laughs> sí. <laughs> Me gusta esta canción. Uy. Oh, muchas gracias. Sí, no, no problema. Man. Más café, por favor. So we're celebrating uh, <clears throat> we're celebrating my first podcast in six months, and the next one you hear will probably be, who knows? I'm just here. I'm just, I'm zen. I'm here. Now, I, you might have found that offensive, the, the, the Dice Clay sound by going into Innocent Girl, but that's because my friend Big Stu Thomas, Remax King, is sitting here in the studio with me. Hi, Stu. How you doing? <laughs> Stu was an early believer in this show uh, a year and a half or so ago. He, uh, he, was a, he was the first real sponsor before even Teresa Flint and Hustler Hollywood came on. Big Stu. Uh, we would have lunches when I was living in Long Beach, and we talked about music. And he he wouldn't let me go back to my apartment where I had really nothing going on until he played me the songs that he was listening to that day. Mm -hmm. So you know this one, man. And it would range from the Haunted Mansion theme to some Odd Smith song that I'd never heard before. You're a good music man, Stu. Thank you. And he loves Andrew Dice Clay, and when I when I Talk to Dice about, <clears throat> you know, he didn't, Dice, last year, you don't remember this, but Dice was supposed to be on the show, and then he just flaked, and then he felt so bad about it. He goes, I'll make it up to you. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I said, well, can you do something for my friend Big Stu? He's a total Dice fan. He goes, anything you want, and he got that. And then, like you said, I got three more months sponsorship. Thank you, Stu. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Robert, what a terrific track. Rudy Rails on vocals. Yeah, great vocalist. Yeah, man. He's he's Cuban? Half Cuban, yeah. From, Which, the, from the Bronx. I think oh, he's Cuban. Wow. I, I think it's from the Bronx or Yonkers or somewhere around there. But okay. he's in Miami now you know, with Yon all the other Cubans. Yonkers <laughs> is where Steven Tyler was born. No kidding. Yes. I've been there many times. Yeah, he's born in Yonkers. That's where he's for his earliest years before they went to uh, uh, Boston. They he mm. he's a New York he's a New York boy, I know that because I worked on his memoir. Interesting. It's the title chapter of Sweet Demotion, my lightly read, lightly purchased second memoir. But we're not here to promote me. We're here to spend spend time passing the love around, like Robert Sarzo's record after the storm. Which was released in 2014. Look at you with your dogs on the back. Which I'm of living this. it right now. And he's I'm living it now. I got blown away. Yeah, you <laughs> got blown. Yeah, you got blown yeah, away. Yeah, living in the RV now, which is actually in the back of the cover. But you know, the uh, the hard copies right now can be ordered on my Voodoo Man Curiosity Shop. Yeah, Voodoo along Man. with my Voodoo mm -hmm. Man hat. Yeah. I've been making those uh, handcrafted, put together with my wife Avery and the skulls. Are um, actually wait those skulls are what for I what? touch them yeah, shrunken I, I heads. Make them. I make them. Yeah. Are they like were they real heads? Uh, I wish. Is there is there real voodoo attached to this stuff? Uh, it's got a lot of uh, negative ions uh, attached to it. A lot. Uh, I believe uh, okay. that everything has a frequency. Everything has vibrations. Absolutely. And uh, definitely, they has have a lot of. They have a lot of great positive yeah. vibrations. Hey Robert, since you're Cuban and. Um, there's a big, uh, there's a big legal change going on with access to Cuba, and it's finally becoming welcomed by America. 
it's not isolate going to be isolated like a pariah for the for, in the future. You can fly there without having to go through Peru or around the Cape Horn. So are you going to go to Cuba? You going to fly back home? Do you think that the regime there is going to share the wealth along with the people? Well, that's I, I don't want to get into politics, but I was going to ask you. You know, you grew up that place, and you came to America. We escaped, actually, kind of escaped. We left everything behind because my family was brave enough to take a chance and take a risk and go to America, which was very gracious enough to accept us and help us. We were refugees. We came with nothing. In Cuba, just so you know, when I was in kindergarten, they used to ask me, just when Fidel took over, uh, to pray to God for ice cream. Did ice cream show up? No. Then they asked me to pray to Fidel Castro for ice cream. Did I get ice cream? Yes. Hell yeah, I got ice cream from Fidel. So, you know, it's a form of brainwashing people. And I just, I saw a lot of people really suffer. And I was in the streets when I remember when there was bombing and chaos. So am I going to support that regime? No. Well, would there be a change of regime? We'll see what happens. But I, mean, I am not going to go there and entertain. Um, Do you ever perform in in Cuba? No. In any incarnation of all your wonderful groups, I you think I think I did when I bit my teacher because I was so <laughs> like for real in kindergarten. I was so pissed off <laughs> and I was so confused. So yeah, I did perform. <laughs> it's rock and roll. That's why I love rock and roll. Freedom of speech, fr- freedom to express yourself. And I really did ask my brother. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because my parents got called in, and you know, yeah, that's what I do. Were you I clo- take a bite off life. Were you and Rudy close as kids? Yes, always. Did it was you still very watch close. Watch each other's backs and stuff. He well, he he's older than I am, so yeah. he he was always keeping an eye on me, making sure that um, <laughs> I stayed kind of. Did he play? Of the did, box. did he play music for you? Was he your influence? Is that why you actually got the into- Beatles were? We both got into course, music at the same sure. time, Beatles. and uh, the Beatles, yeah. yeah. But we were in Jersey when they first came to America, and uh, and we started, you know, really. Uh, realizing that that's a great gig you know the girls are screaming for you what what, yeah. what a great job that is <laughs> you know? how many kids picked up a guitar after february 9th 1964 everybody when we moved back to miami everybody yeah. had a guitar so it was kind of you know we didn't have youtube and yeah. we had to transpose everything through vinyl slow it down to see what was going on but um yeah. Uh, my biggest influence was really um, God, Jimmy Page, uh, Carlos Santana, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hendrix. I saw Hendrix live. I snuck in. Where? At uh, Miami Beach. I think it was Miami Beach Arena. I took a bus. I was too young mm-hmm. to drive. No one wanted to go. And um, I had no money. Mm-hmm. So I just went there and I kept knocking on doors outside. Finally, you know, you see the uh, the little glass door with the the wire that looks like chicken wire. Somebody saw me and probably felt sorry. <laughs> I was a young kid trying to watch the show. They were sold out. Plus, I didn't have the money. So anyway, they, they pushed the door open. And I snuck in. I got under the seats. And then Hendrix started playing. And I was just observing everything, taking it all in. The energy that was in the air was magical. You know, you count that as a sacred experience, having been in the room with Jimi Hendrix, because he he didn't 
the energy. Not, he he, he was, wasn't here that long. He was here no, for a minute. It was fabulous. Yeah. So glad I did that. I took a chance and take that bus. And uh, I never told my parents that we had been like, oh, my, oh, mijo, what are you doing? Don't go there. Very overprotective, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was always like reaching out. But I used to go and see a lot of concerts. I, well, did you, know, you go with your brother? Because me and my brother, who's three years younger than me, we used to go to concerts together oh, yeah. all the well, time. Well, Rudy and I, we were in the same bands most of the time. And then Frankie Benelli later on was playing with us when we met up with him for a lot of the, we had a band together and we saw Alice Cooper. We saw, yeah. Did you see the Welcome to My Nightmare tour at the Forum in 75? No. Me and my brother were in no. that, too. Yeah. Great. I, I saw a billion-dollar baby and those leopard oh, boots. Yeah. Those leopard boots that I scoop wore, that was because of me. Why? Well, I, I designed the original ones, the prototypes. Uh, that well, well, not prototypes. I, I designed they were red. I still have them. They're six-inch platform how, boots. How could I you do that? You were so young. Uh, I was playing in clubs. I started playing clubs 14 and a half. In Miami, right. and sometimes strip bars. So yeah. uh, I was. Wait, you were fourteen and a half in strip bars? Maybe fifteen. Okay. I had my driver's license at fourteen and a half, and I had a fifty-two, uh, nineteen fifty-three Chevy that I bought from my uncle for thirty dollars. <laughs> but it had a hole in the back under the uh, driver's side, yeah. so you had to kind of put like a piece of sheet metal to yeah. drive around. Yeah. You, you know, when somebody drops something in there. Yeah. But uh, oh yeah, that thing was the tank. It was great. Did you cruise? Oh, yeah. Oh, my he friends. Cruise Collins. Oh, yeah. And, and that's where I visualized me living in a yacht. Yeah. Collins Avenue. That's and that's why I love had, Long Beach. Yeah. You, you first had the site that yeah. you were going to come and you were going to have a boat. You were going to live on a boat. I was going to live in a yacht. And also, uh, you know, I grew up in Havana. I, I just found out recently that it was a block away from the ocean, El Malecón. And so that energy from the ocean, my parents were always taking us in boat rides and little islands and yeah, all that. Yeah. I love to feel. Did you have plantains when you were little? Uh, Did you eat a lot of plantains? Platanitos. Platanitos. Oh, platanitos fritos. I love them. They're, they're really good. And now that I'm vegan, I, that's, that's when I go yeah, to Yeah, you and Rudy both watch your diets very carefully. Well, no, I'm vegan. Well, I started eating fish now living here in San Pedro. You know what it's like. It's hard. You gotta yeah. eat fish, and especially being on the road. You know, you gotta eat. You know, you're working really hard. You know, with Queens, right? We were playing about six nights a week, and we yeah. were out on the tour bus. Uh, we will be gone for a whole month. Was it a good experience? It with was fabulous. I love working with Jeff and Is Kelly it? and Rudy Jeff. and Simon and even Brian Tishy uh, came. Brian's in and fantastic. Played with us. What a great guy. He's so talented. Yeah, great bunch of and Randy, uh, Randy Gain on keyboards yeah, and yeah. Uh, my brother. We actually that was our first uh, national tour that we've done together. Oh, you know how beautiful is that? It was fabulous. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Having blood on stage with you. Yeah, it was fun. It was kind of like going back home. Yeah. I'm going to play a Queen Strike song for you right now. Nice. Which one are you going to play? The one that you wanted me to play, the long one. It's a long one. That's one of my favorite ones to play. Sister Mary. Yeah, I love that. Okay, let's do it. It's Energize a Long Friend Podcast. With Robert Sarzo. Kill her. Yes. That's all you have to do. That's Kill all you Mary. have to do. She's a risk. She is a risk. And get the priest as well. Oh, the, the priest. priest. You better hide the priest. <laughs>
We come from Earth. Earth? Where I'm from. This planet is known as Mars. We took off in our ship almost uh, three months ago. Check on the other one. He may be injured. Yes, of course. Here, I'll show you in the sand. See? This is the sun. Sun, the, the, the big star. And this is the Earth. The third planet from the sun. And this is you. Here. The other one is dead. His name is Markison. Don't be alarmed, Mr. Conrad. We don't intend to hurt you. We've only been wondering when you intended to come out. Of course, we were curious. But how... How do you know my language? We don't, Mr. Conrad. As you'll no doubt soon realize, you're speaking our language. Your language? Unconscious transference. You'd call it hypnosis of a sort. But you must be tired. We'll prepare a place for you to rest and food. I'm appreciative. I, I really am. You'll forgive me my... My staring, I, I, I mean, but I, I can't get over it. I mean, you're... You're people. Just like I am. It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair But her mummy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go But her friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through her sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view and she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a sad thing for For she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools If they ask her to focus on Sailors fighting in the dance hall It's the freakiest show 
I threw out this trivia question to my guest, Big Stu, Robert Sarzo, who's, who played piano on Hunky Dory, Rick Wakeman. And I, I, I had forgotten that until I saw this Showtime documentary on Bowie about his, it's called Five Years, about the five transforming years of Bowie's career where he just, he did everything. And he became... This chameleon-esque, remarkable, every record changing image, changing fashion, changing musicians. But, the you know, the this is the, in the end of the Spiders days. And then he went off and one minute he's young Americans, the next minute he's heroes. He's just like the greatest chameleon of all time. But they have Rick Wakeman sitting there. And, you know, Yes is like one of my, Yes and Genesis after the Beatles and the Who from and Bowie. Elton John, Yes in Genesis. That's that's my youth. That's my youth. <clears throat> and Wakeman is all, you know, portly and whiskers sitting by the piano and he goes, Yeah, so I so I just opened with this <laughs> And then David says this in the the English the proper English way of analyzing a situation and this is it was so awesome. I love watching documentaries about Englishmen. And the Genesis documentary was pretty amazing, too, about where Gabriel and Hackett are all... I'm getting off topic. So, uh, that was... Do you do all 10 minutes of that Queensryche song live? I bet you never... That's not in the set list, is it? Oh, yeah. We did Shut uh, up. the 25th anniversary of Mind Crime. That's Robert Sarzo, ladies and gentlemen. so much fun. I'm really into theater, and that was a very theatrical rock opera. That was a brilliant rock opera. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mind well, Crime. Rip Magazine was all over Operation Mind Crime. It, it was told to do it as an opera. Mm-hmm. The whole thing, it got to the point that it was so intense that it just went by really too fast. And then all of a sudden, it's the last track. It's like, oh, no, you got to wait till the next day, do it again. But, yeah, it's just great. Love doing it. Because that, that's really a spotlight for you. You have fun with that song. Oh, that song was so intense. Yeah, because I, I did all the uh, the beginning and then the end. And it, it just goes through so many different mood changes. Changes. And you follow the story as you're playing it. So you really get really intense with the, with the See, track. That's what the 70s was. It was theater. Yes. It was long form. It was you can spend eight to ten minutes fleshing out a track. 
you could you could go to places with long bridges and and it would be okay. Cause I you, think it's coming back again. Yeah, because uh, there's a modern Prague thing, porcupine yeah. tree, and bands like that. And, and the uh, also the format that there's no more template. Like okay, you got to write this concept, or, or it has yeah. not concept. It, it, it's a format. A right. radio format, and uh, back in the day... Well, that's for pop music. That's never going to die. But Top 40 is always going to want a three- to four-minute song. It still do, but yeah. in rock right now, you can just do whatever you pretty much you want to yeah. do. Yeah, because it isn't radio that's going to sell rock and roll. Rock and roll will be the live experience. Rock and roll will be what you find on the Internet and YouTube, and that's... And I think it's coming That's back to thing. concept albums and, uh, yeah, and, and tell a story. I used to w- yeah. love uh, even uh, listening to King Crimson. Sure. And Starless Mahav- and Bible Black. Yeah, Mahavishna Orchestra. But then uh, Simon and Garth Anko loved also. Love listening to that. Uh, I-, I listened to everything. I had Birds of Fire. Yes, great. Great oh. track. Okay, so Robert, sit here because you're going to watch me do my next interview. Wayne Swinney. Ron Friend. <laughs> How are you, bud? Let me hear your Tennessee accent, brother. Can you hear? I know, right? Can you hear it, man? <laughs> Say this. Do you prefer the wet ribs or the dry ribs? Prefer <laughs> <laughs> wet ribs or the dry ribs? Why is my only memory of Memphis, because it's one of the cities that I haven't really been to, I've been there once, is, is being taken to this place, the Rendezvous. Rendezvous. That is world famous, yeah. And, and and the waitress comes over. She goes, where are you from? I said, Los Angeles. She goes, well, you want the dry ribs. I go, why? <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No menu necessary. You walk in, and that's basically your choice. Whether dry, and then you just wait on the ribs to show up. So, yeah. Well, I'll bet that your diet's changing now, Wayne, and you can't eat too much fat and pork. You know, I think ribs are probably a big no-no, at least for the moment. <laughs> you know, I've been eating a lot of uh, a lot of nice, healthy stuff for the last couple of weeks. But you know, I kind of had the thought earlier today. But I'm downstairs. I'm eating like carrots and yep. hummus. Yep, good. And grapes. Yep. And I'm thinking, you know what? This is delicious. After treating my body like a garbage dump. For 35 years, mm-hmm. you know, with fast food and just all this chips and dip, you know, real food tastes delicious. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Man. Well, 18, so, yeah. 18 years in a successful touring rock band like Saliva, Wayne Sweeney, you 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 become somewhat on overdrive and you, you're not conscious of what you're putting into your system. And then what happens? Now, I think that it's important that one of the reasons we connected online was because I was brought, it was brought to my attention that you, you had a near death experience, which you were so bravely sharing on Facebook with, with your fans. But I would really like to hear what happened to you a week or so ago. Okay. Let me give you just, I'll try to give you the reader's digest version. So, you know, this doesn't turn into a barbershop. Well, Hey Wayne, I've played two 10 minute songs already today. Oh, oh no! There you yeah. Go. So, there you go. so time is not a factor. All right, cool, man. All <laughs> right. Well, to just give you the backstory on it, um, back around Thanksgiving, I got the flu. Um, I was sick for about a week, you know. And as musicians are wont to do, you know, I, we were in between little short tours, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, instead of going to the doctor, 
I had some leftover antibiotics, kind of treated myself with those and stayed in, you know, over-the-counter stuff. And, uh, and I got better in about a week. And then we went back out for another short run, and it kind of came back. Mm-hmm. Like, I was really sick. I, I was actually on Christmas Day. Uh, my girlfriend, Julie, had her phone in her hand and was about to call 911. And I was like, wait, no, 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 hang on. I think I'm okay. And, and we, we actually made it through that period and had no idea how sick I was. It turned out. I had had the flu, but it had turned into pneumonia, hmm. which then turned into double pneumonia. And I was, wasn't even aware, wasn't even aware of how sick I was. I've had asthma my whole life, mm-hmm. so I have inhalers that make it, you know, you can breathe. They, they make you breathe. So even as sick as I was, I was, you know, managing the symptoms, but I wasn't getting any better. Okay. And uh, then we had uh, a... A run of five shows starting New Year's Eve, and um, where'd you play on New that. Year's Eve? Um, we played Center Stage in Kokomo, Indiana. Okay. Yeah, had a great show there. Good friend of mine, Dennis Spencer. What's up, Dennis? I'm pretty sure he's listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but anyway, got back from that, and I was just feeling run down again. So I, I was just doing my thing, staying at home. Uh, and I was finishing off the last of my leftover antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And it was about 5.30 January night, 5.30 in the morning. And then I just started feeling weird. You know, something wasn't right. So I called my mom on the house phone. And, you know, she's she's right down. And I'm sitting on the edge of the chair. And, man, like, instead, you know, with asthma, you're used to having trouble breathing. Yeah, my brother's this had was, it his whole life. I grew up with yeah. asthmatic. Mm-hmm. It, this was so completely different. I mean, literally, I could not get any air. Okay. It was like, it was literally like I was, like, somebody had just corked off. Like suffocating. Yeah, suffocating, like being underwater. Okay. Almost. But couldn't get any air at all. Okay. And I knew I knew I was in trouble. So the last thing I remember was leaning over and of course all these things going through my mind. I'm like, oh God, don't let me die here in front of my mom and mm-hmm. you know, I leaned over and just whispered in her ear, well, I don't even know if it made any sound. I just said, you know, I can't breathe. I mean not making fun of the you know, the T shirts and the whole Thing that's going on with with that situation, but those were my last words. Okay. And I saw, I remember seeing out of the corner of my eye, seeing her run up the stairs to get to the house phone and call nine one one. It's my last memory. And I woke up. You passed out. You you passed out. Yeah. Went down. By the time she got back downstairs, she said I was in the floor, and was not breathing. No heartbeat. Nothing. Whoa. But. Luckily, we, you know, we live in a small town. We're down about an hour and a half south of Memphis in this little town called Grenada, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, luckily the the hospital and the EMTs aren't that far. So since she called them, they were here in a couple of minutes. And she said she's never seen EMTs work so hard. <laughs> and, you know, wow. I have no memory of that. But I can tell you this, that was the ninth. So it's been that. It's been almost a full two weeks. 
and it still feels like someone, like a donkey, kicked me in the chest. Right. I mean, from the chest compression. Yeah, they can crack your ribs doing that. Man, I'm I'm not kidding. You know, for a while, that was one of the most nervous feelings about this was just the soreness in my chest every day. It was kind of eerie. Okay, but so anyway, you're a, okay, but you you survived this, and you've had some tests and work post this trauma, and. What are the results? Can you tell your people and my people how you're doing? As of, as of right now, thanks to the good people at the hospital, the EMTs, all, all the great health workers, I can't thank everyone enough. But, yeah, the pneumonia cleared up. That was probably the, the biggest factor. Um, had a couple of I, – I don't know how much time you got, but there was a couple of funny stories. One was when I first woke up on the ventilator, had no idea where I was. And I haven't seen any pictures of anyone on a ventilator, but it literally feels like someone hammered a 73 Plymouth muffler down your face. Oh, man. I mean, like, it's, there's, it's indescribable. I heard this voice, and the lights are all bright. You know, you're kind of disoriented because they have you sedated a little. Mm-hmm. And I heard this, heard this voice very calmly lean over and say, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And, of course, I didn't respond. I got this thing in my Mm-hmm. So the only thing I could do, the only thing I could think of, was my right. I could see my right hand it was up over my chest. Right. So with all of my might, I pulled down my index ring and pinky fingers and <laughs> the bird, <laughs> wow. which turned out to be my sweet sister. Actually, I, I thought it was the nurse, and basically. What they were doing was checking for brain function. They're they're checking for response. That's what they want. Right. I, I couldn't really respond, and the the comedian in me thought, hey, this, <laughs> "This will be funny later." <laughs> so I flipped on the bird, and then I I was telling my sister the story later. I was like, "Hey, you need to find out who that nurse was that I flipped <laughs> off." And my sister grabs my hand. And she said, "That was me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she's a guardian angel. Your your mom and your sister. You have angels. Yeah. Literally, my my mom being here to call nine one one. Yeah, saved my life. And my sister Linda, hey, mm-hmm. love you, was there, literally, twenty four seven. We broke every rule of the hospital, and I'm sure if any of their staff are listening, someone's going to get in trouble. <laughs> but finally, after you know, they kept telling Linda, "Well, look, you know, business hours, you're going to have to go, and all this." She was like, "No, I'll be staying." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of so course. They just, they just gave up and started bringing her chairs and recliners and extra pillows <clears throat> and blankets and Wayne in yeah. the days since this as you have distance from it it's it's like you're moving away from this this is this, this is a big black hole and you're moving towards light now because mm-hmm. I've, what have you been examining your life and examining priorities and is th- does this have you shifting your your uh, sense of perception? It absolutely does. It, it absolutely changes. It changes you. I, you know, I mean, I can't imagine it not changing someone. You know, it, I didn't have one of those great Hollywood near-death experiences where I saw the light and right. it's like my... my dear departed dad waving me over to the fishing boat you know there was nothing like that i was just here and i was gone and then i was back but i know those days in icu where it was still touch and go Mm -hmm. 
man, you have a lot of time to reflect. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've had an absolutely beautiful, blessed life. I've been, you know, seen the world a couple of times, mm-hmm. got to do all kinds of great stuff, you know, got to open for Kiss and, you know, my two greatest hero bands I got to open for on the road. Kiss you know. and Aerosmith. Just, yeah, just the just yeah. the most charmed life ever, mm-hmm. probably, on the face of the planet. But the one thing that you start realizing is, man, you know what? All those, all that time that I had to spend away from my family, and I've got a beautiful three-and-a-half-year-old daughter that, you know. Now there you go. Now you hit it on the head. You know, I've I've spent more time away from her than I have with her. Yeah. And I realized, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to pump my brakes a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, the, I don't think one of the I, themes of this evening that's just come out organically is changes. Right. Right. There you go. And, and that is, there's a huge change already happening. In my Look head. out, you rock and rollers. Wayne Swinney might be taking a few months off. Yeah. Well, and that's definitely. I, I know that for a fact, thanks to the uh, good doctors. Yeah. In town here, um, I'm gonna have to chill for a couple of months. I, I don't know if my musical career, I don't think is over. Might have to switch gears and be more of a. I think you're going to do some pretty wicked writing after this. I think oh, absolutely. Some, this is going to spark your creative, your creative juices in a huge way. I really hope, in a not in a take advantage of it for money kind of way, mm-hmm. but I really hope to be able. to to use this in a way that that I can create some really cool music. And then maybe also, you know, maybe be a help or an inspiration to other people. There that, you go. You know, for 30-something years, I've been out here like Yosemite Sam with a guitar. Right. You know, the rooting is tooting is, you know, shooting is, you know, and you can only do that for something. Fearless, reckless, and mindless. That's right. That's right. And you know, you learn, you learn one way or another. Yeah. That's so. I mean, I've learned a valuable lesson, and I also know, too. And I just want to thank everyone, everyone that sent well wishes, the prayers, everything. Man, it was overwhelming. The response that helps. That's that's a healing power, man. It it, truly is. is. I got to tell you, I felt it when I was in the hospital. You know, it's kind of like I was scared, but I knew I was going to be okay. I, yeah. I can't really put my finger on it. You know, Wayne, I, I had this thought. You, your band has had so many bands. You're a founding member. You're, right. There's a survival thread going through Saliva. But you've had so many members leave. I'm just curious, and not because everyone knows me. My integrity as a journalist has been out there for three decades. Have you got? Have you gotten any calls from ex-band members that are, hey, Wayne, I heard about what happened to you? One of the, literally, one of the first calls and notices, frantic calls mm-hmm. and notices, was from the original singer of the band, Josie Scott. Josie, right. And his wife, Kendra, who mm-hmm. are just dear people, great people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love them to death. But literally, just, um, my sister said, you know, they were literally blowing up Facebook and finally tracked down Linda, mm-hmm. I guess, through other rants, you know, through people. And uh, 
like they were fixing to load up the car and come up. You know, like they were going to come up and, and pray at the bedside, and you know, that that touched me as much as anything. And I, I appreciate every everyone who sent well wishes, but that probably meant as much as anything right there. You know, that's you know when you're in a band with someone, even even after you split up, you still love them. That's that's your brother for life, and that's how yes. I consider Joe's. So if if Anything else, uh, above all else, that's been one of the coolest, you know, little sidebars of everything that's happened is, you know, we've been kind of chatting. I've been keeping him updated on my progress. And, you know, it, it's really been a blessing, and they've been so supportive, man. I, I can't, you know, the whole band has, you know, it's not to cast a shadow on anyone else, but because Josie had to leave, this world, you know, the rock world a while back, mm -hmm. you know, he had to pretty much, you know how it is. You, you can't straddle the fence, right? You can't have one foot in and one foot out. Right. So, and I totally understood that and, you know, never did have a, a, an ounce of animosity for him for that. Cause the reason he left was for his family. Right. I mean, how can you blame a guy for that? Actually, that's the most noble cause ever. Of course it is. So, uh, but that was like probably the most awesome little sidebar of all this. That's that and great. and the fact that you know my sister and I were laughing about it. We spent pretty much six days with each other, twenty four hours a day, which was probably the, it's, uh, the best bonding experience of our lives. I mean, since we were kids, we haven't been around each other. This is your silver linings notebook. Right, right. And more to come, more to come. I, I promise. I, I'm probably going to end up having to write a book about it. You know, oh, well, somewhere down the line. Books are hard, Wayne. I I sent you one of mine. <laughs> They're hard. You know, I'm, I've already started yours, so I might need some pointers from someone who actually knows what he's doing. Man, I'll hit you back about that. Oh man. So <laughs> hey, Wayne, I figured I'll play your disease since it kind of fits a little bit. I know. I and then we'll come back and talk some more. And Robert Sarzo's here, and we're going to discuss the synchronicity of your of his early hurricane days and some girl that you used to know. Right on, man. Okay, this is Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Wayne Swinney, Saliva, Robert Sarzo, Big Stew in the studio. I'm so happy to be here. Gratitude. <laughs>
Great, great track by Saliva. Your disease. We're sitting with Wayne Swinney discussing his disease, which he is now healing from. And we're happy he is because his fans, we're looking at your Facebook page. There are a lot of your fans are sharing the love and listening to you express yourself. I think it's a cathartic thing to just talk about the shit you go through because it helps remove that, you know, negative energy that's attached to crisis, crisis. This is crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It it was. uh, Yeah, man. I I was worried about it, especially coming back home because for 23 years I was on meds for panic attacks, which go figure, you know, why are you going to be in a rock band if you're scared, you know, of everything in the world? But, um, um, I was really worried about coming back home and like seeing the spot, you know, where I was sitting, you know, the last thing I remembered and all that. And you know, what's weird is there hasn't been one moment, not even a, a second of nerves or anxious or anxiety, anything like that. Well, you're talking to someone who's had acute anxiety disorder for about 15 so years. Well, so I totally get it. Yeah. And all and the the work I do, holistic meditation and the, the occasional Ativan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's you don't you have to dig so deep to find the source, where the right. shit comes from. And then when if you can access the source and you can make some changes in almost a sh- just a shift in perception and something like this happens to you and you see that silver lining wait a minute yeah i didn't die i had bitch slapped by the universe is the term i used in my second book but you you survive it and come out and then all of a sudden wait a minute this thing that's bugged me for years it's go- it's gone i don't have stage fright i don't have anxiety and I'm fucking all of a sudden a new person. I'm going to see things better. I'm going to be more of an altruist. I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to read more. And Wow. Right. Yeah. It's all good, man. Fuck, you sound it strong. It, it, I know. And, uh, you know, it, it's weird how it takes a crisis sometimes to give you that backhanded slap across the face and wake you up. And, it, you know, every day I walk outside and I look out. And it's like the sun shines a little brighter. Colors are a little bit richer. Colors are richer. Yeah. You know, just the neighbor's dog runs up and it's it's cooler. You know, it's like everything is turned up. You're smiling at strangers. Yeah. 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 I get it. Of course. Yeah. Hey, it's, Wayne. Yeah, man. Say hi to Robert Sarzo. Robert Sarzo. <laughs> How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Uh, it's so sorry to hear what you have gone through. And... Um, and congratulations on your healing process. Thank you very much, Robert. Actually, I'm I'm doing great, healing up well. And uh, now you guys, you guys have a funny story. Or Wayne had a story. Now tell Robert, Robert the story. Right. I I don't know. You're, I, you know, I I don't expect you to remember this. But in 1987, I believe it was. Okay, I was dating a girl from West Memphis, Arkansas that went to high school with Tony Cavazzo's ex-wife, Candace. Candace, yeah. You remember. Of course, yeah. She invited Carla to come out for a week to L.A. to hang out on her vacation. Well, Carla wanted to go, but she didn't want to be like this third wheel because everybody was couples. So she decides to take her boyfriend, yours truly, with her. 
out to L.A. on vacation. (laughs) We stayed at Tony and Candace's apartment, which I believe, the best I remember, your apartment was like right downstairs. Yeah, it's right in Sherman Oaks. uh, Right? 5050 Woodman Avenue. Okay. There you go. Okay, stop. Oh, my God. February 9th, 71, the biggest earthquake that ever hit Southern California. I lived at 5055 Buffalo Avenue. You were right next door. Yes. No. Yes. (laughs) I went to Millican Junior High. That quake hit. No, so did my son. Yes. Yeah, Millican. Yeah. Now it's a middle yeah. school, but back then we called it a junior high. Wow. Tom Selleck went to my junior high. Wow. No way. Pretty cool. But that's the block I was on, man. The same block. Crazy. Same block. Yeah. Okay, so you live in Sherman Oaks. That's where I grew up. So, okay, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> well, that was that was pretty much the long and the short of the story. <laughs> stayed at, at Tony and Candace's for a week. <laughs> this is when Hurricane and Striper were on tour. We got to go... To two different shows. Uh, it was my first ever, like, all access backstage, you know, hanging with real, you know, rock stars. I mean, I, mean, I was. How old were you? Wait, I, I was stars. I think I was 24. How cool <laughs> like, is that? Like, wow. Like back in Memphis, you know, like my local bands, we were kind of a pretty big deal. But man, I went to LA and I was like, whoa. Well, this is the real thing. Wasn't it fun back then? I mean, it was really... It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. It it was just about hanging out with your friends. It was really... I don't remember violence in the clubs or anything. It was just about... It's about... You know, just having a nice well, time. Well, Sunset Boulevard and... was the vortex. That the flyers would be handed out yeah. on the street, and all yeah. the bands would congregate in front yeah. of the Rainbow or yeah. in the parking yeah. lot at night. And there was a love fest, and and there wasn't so much competition. It was like, hey, let's let's support each other because we're all gonna something's gonna happen, and we're all gonna be rich, and we're gonna all get laid a lot. And that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. Thank you, Motley Crue, Guns and Roses. Wow. Yeah, that's so, what happened. Uh, so, Wayne, do you remember which show that, that we played then? Where was that? Um, I believe. All right, I went to two. There was one that was at like an outdoor kind of amphitheater. Um, Henry Ford, I, I, maybe? I, I, was it like by the Hollywood Bowl? There? John Anson Ford? John Anson Ford? I, I think it was a little out of town. I, I oh, Irvine Meadows. Because... Irvine Meadows? Yeah. That Pacific right. Amphitheater? Yeah, Irvine Meadows. I, I think that at that That's time. That's a big we, venue, right? We already had, uh, yeah, we already um, had a on to you. Uh, no, 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 no. It was uh, Top 40. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 The star was, was hitting big at the time. Yeah. And the the biggest. One of the coolest things I remember from that, besides the fact that your brother showed up and I got to meet him, too, <laughs> that was totally awesome. And just by the way, everybody, too, just Robert, you know, you didn't know me from, I was just some idiot from Memphis, but you were like one of the nicest guys in the world to me. Oh, thank you. I always remember that and appreciate that. But um, I didn't have a jacket, and, it, you know, up in the hills or, or you know, cold. desert up there, you know, it's just pretty cold at night. Yeah. And I was not prepared. So I got to borrow Carlos Cavazo's leather jacket. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> Did you keep like, it? Are you, are you kidding me? I was like, here I am. I'm at the show. I'm hanging with rock stars. I got Carlos's jacket on. And, dude, show. you were inspired, and a few years later, you're standing on a stage with right. 10,000 people wanting to borrow your jacket. There you go. How's that? That's, That's the uni- how the universe yeah. works, man. 
The universe is awesome. Can I borrow your jacket? <laughs> <laughs> All my stuff is still up in the yacht, uh, up in a cradle. You know, I, I went to that storm, and it was very humbling to actually uh, feel so powerless. Oh, well, nature's going to fuck you up. I talked about that earthquake. That's the only time in my life where I was thrown out of bed and felt like I was on a ship at sea. I remember that. February 971 was the grand mall quake of all time in Southern California. I was living in North Hollywood on, uh, it used to be called the uh, Club California. Yeah. It was like the Oakwood apartments. The Oakwoods. (laughs) Oakwoods. That's where Slash lived when they were doing Appetite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be at the Oakwoods. (laughs) Oh, dude, that place is terrible. Steven Adler also shared that same. Uh, uh, bed probably that you slept on after you, Wayne, because he was staying there also at Tony's place. No <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, we're still friends, and uh, this is before Guns N' Roses, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, he stayed up there, too. He was friends, yeah. Great guy. What was the first, Wayne, it was the first time you said, that's what I want to do? You know, it was, it was actually at a real young age, and I, I was a kind of a sheltered kid, you know, um, very uh, spiritual, you know, family. We were, you know, Southern, went to church every Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, mom and dad, sis, everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember this friend of mine, my my best friend in high school, Brian Prim, came over with this thing, this album that opened up, and it had these guys with their faces painted on it. <laughs> It was just alive. I was like, that's what I'm going to be. I, I don't know what that is. That's what I'm going to be right there. And that's, there you have it, you know. Did you have a cheap turntable? Oh, are you kidding me? The worst ever. It didn't even, it didn't even have speakers. The speakers were like in. It was like one of those ones from school, you know, where the speaker is just built into the turntable, you know. Well, Wayne, <laughs> go back to 1964. The day after the Ed Sullivan show, I walk across the street to the Fashion Square Mall in Sherman Oaks on Riverside <laughs> Drive. Okay, you know where it's at. It used to not have a roof on it. And I bought this record called Meet the Beatles, and I took it home, and I had like a $40 Motorola mono turntable, and that was my first, that's where music hit me, and I listened to it a thousand times, over and over. What? It was like discovering sex. What is this? Yeah. (laughs) That's what you had, and and your your generation, Kiss did that for a, a lot of kids, man. Yeah, yeah, a lot of kids. Yeah. Sure. I would have to think so, man. You know, because I know, yeah. especially a lot of the guys around my age, you know, once you saw a kiss and you saw how people reacted to them, yeah. I mean, it was, there was, you know, it was great bands. And it was Zeppelin and there was all these great, you know, Nugent. And, mm-hmm. and of course, my first show yeah. seeing Kiss. <laughs> There's this band that nobody ever heard of. We're like, oh, man, what's this ACDC? <laughs> yeah, ACDC, with, of course, with Bon Scott. Opens up the show. Oh, my gosh. And so mind blown right there. Wait, now listen to this. Wow, what a table we're at. Robert saw Hendrix in Miami. You what? saw Bon Scott in ACDC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, I, I saw Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, 1975 oh, tour at the sports yeah. arena. So we, 
those impact our lives. But I snuck in fans. to see Hendrix. <laughs> I snuck into the arena. Uh, me and my friend Mark were in the last <laughs> row at the sports arena. But it turned out to be the greatest place because at the end of the dark side of the moon, when the sun is eclipsed by the moon, a plane, a plane on a wire takes off right above our heads in the last row and flies <laughs> and crashes into the stage. And we're like, cool. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Most awesome thing ever. <laughs> I know because we were just earlier playing Bowie. Robert tells a Mick Ronson story. And, oh my gosh! And he's go ahead. Like, oh yeah, he this just is, walked in the studio. So this is my you know coming out of Miami, leaving Miami, and I'm in New York City, and I'm all of a sudden I'm working with Jimmy Iovine, and um, and I'm in the studio, actually doing pre-production uh, right before we went into the record plant to cut the album, which was uh, released on Arista Records. And, uh, you know, Mick Ronson shows up to say hi to Jamie. And uh, and I think he knew Tommy Price at the time. He was doing a lot of session work over there. And I'm really green, but, you know, I have been playing, you know, so many notes for so many years, you know, to 4 o'clock in the morning. That's why you do in Florida seven <laughs> nights a week. So I was pretty, I, I felt pretty, you know, well, well prepared. And uh, anyway, so I'm playing guitar and make runs and falls in love with my last ball, which I had bought, you know, a long time ago. And it was, I had just taken the, uh, the it was a deluxe Les Paul. Anyway, I, I got the power uh, tools and I made a bigger hole. I put in 1961 pickups in there. And, and oh, then yeah. I, I got tired of the cherry sunburns, which, you know, because Jimmy Page had one. I had to get one of those. And then uh, <laughs> anyway, so I, I I was really crazy. My mom's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? She's, she's you know, also very religious Catholic, you know, from Cuba. She's like, oh, mijo, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm making holes in the guitar and rewiring the guitar. <laughs> so I paint the guitar like a light green color anyway uh make runs sees the guitar he falls in love with it and uh <laughs> so he let me keep playing and then all of a sudden he got on my bass player's uh, guitar and when we started jamming it was me tommy price and uh and make playing on uh on bass. how cool is that and you know oh. I, I i love david bowie and you know and his guitar work so it was it was it was fascinating it was great wham bam great story wham bam thank yeah. you robert yeah yeah i'll never forget that that was very cool you know, I think that these things, we talk about the rock stars that have passed, and we're constantly reminded because social media reminds us, oh, it's this was so-and-so's birthday, and this is so-and-so's birthday, and he would have been, Elvis would have been 75. Or, right, right. And, we're, and Brian Jones would have been this. And yet, all we have to do is, is, now we have a digital domain, but all we have to do is put on a tune. Go to YouTube and search anything, and it comes right back. It brings your whole, your whole technicolor consciousness of why you love rock and roll to the extent you do. We never, these, everyone's going to die. Wasn't your time, Wayne. You know, when it's not your time, yeah. nothing can take you. When it is your time, nothing can save you. Wasn't your time. Yeah. It was Tommy Boland's time. We played right. Post Toasty earlier. And, you know, we're, I'm just sitting here going, oh, my God, listening to this 10-minute jam. I remember being in my room when I was a kid and how this record made me feel. And that's what's so great about it is we never have, we don't have to mourn the artists that disappear because they leave behind this rich, rich tapestry of music. And that's it. That is true. That that's is what true. we do. And we'll communicate it to people in I'll write about it, and we'll talk about it, and you're going to write more songs, and Robert's going to write 
and perform what he's doing in two languages. <laughs> I'm working on my third oh, French. He's, oh, no, French. <laughs> hey, tell, I wanted to play Lost because you, you, that song's close to you, right? Well, it, it's one of the songs on the new record, but it's, it's actually a song that almost didn't make the record. We had already picked the 15 that we were going to pick the final 12 from. Mm -hmm. And I was driving home from the studio one night in the early days of tracking. And it was on a, a demo that our singer had given us all. It's actually a song that, that he and a friend of his, Nolan Neal, wrote together. And um, I, I put it in, and it started playing, and I heard the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And I literally had to pull over. I pulled over in a gas station. I had to stop because I was so emotionally moved by the just by the song and the lyrics. And especially now, after this. Well, now it, resonate, it truly resonates with you because of what you've survived. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, the first time I listened to it after I got home, I was, you know, I was bawling like a schoolgirl. Yeah. I mean, no kidding. It was, yeah. it was an emotional experience. And this wasn't necessarily a, an experience that came from something like that. Mm -hmm. But having been there yeah. and and made it, you know, here, still alive, yeah, it, it's it's a pretty powerful song. And I just, you know, kudos to the new singer of the band, Bobby Amaru, you know, for being a part of writing it, too. Man, it's, for, for my money, it was the best song on the latest record, and it never did make it to single for all kinds of crazy reasons. Well, now it, now it has a certain place. It has right a on. special place. I think is I think we should we're gonna exit with that and hey cool. Wayne, thank you for sharing, you know, and that's what it's all about, man. Not not being afraid to just hey Hey this right is on. what I went through and this is how I'm gonna shift it and I'm gonna do new things and your fans can feel nothing but affection and compassion for you, because you're showing that you're a righteous dude, and that's it. And you didn't die, and that's a good thing. Yeah, man. Thank God for that. And yeah. and again, thank every thank you, Lon, Robert. Great talking to you too. And thank great, everybody. For great the talking prayers. to you. I, I'm really really happy that we uh, actually reconnected after all these. There years. you go, Lon. Friend, yeah. bringing people together once that's again right. on his first that's podcast right. in six months. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Connective tissue, Wayne Swinney saliva. Thank you, Wayne. Stay in touch, brother. All right. Be you. healthy. Eat greens. Oh yeah. All right. Saliva lost. This is Energize Alon from Podcast.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast Special Edition Pre-NAM Show here in Southern California again at the Great LA Radio Studio of San Pedro. It's an honor to be here. That was Wayne Swinney from Saliva, the Great Saliva, Tennessee, telling us, sharing with us his recent drama, his coming back from the dead. He's a good man. He's a good boy. I like that boy. Southern boy. Tennessee. From Elvis's hometown. That can't be bad, right? Robert Sarzo sitting here with me the last couple hours. That was was just great conversation, man. Isn't it funny how the world of rock and roll is so intertwined? I mean, you haven't, you probably never met him in 27 years ago. It's mind blowing. You were downstairs from him and and he was dating a chick that was connected to you some way. And you're on, you're on the next block from where I lived in the 70s with my mom and my brother. Okay. So the NAM shows this weekend, I want to tell people if you listen to the podcast in the next couple of days. I'm really here for two reasons. Well, I'm here to hang. I like to see the people at the circus. I, it's like a love fest when somebody who's been around as long as me and walks through the hallway and there's all these artists who some way I've touched or they've touched me journalistically or musically. And it's you could just walk and just bang into old friends and pass a line and, oh, there's Anthrax. Yeah, I went to... I went to Scotland and London and Liverpool with them in 1988. There, hey guys, let's go now. It, it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful experience. I'm going to be at uh, at the booth, being manned by Lisa S. Johnson, who has this extraordinary coffee table book called 108 Rockstar Guitars. You can uh, Google it. 108 Rockstar Guitars. Lisa, over a number of years, photographed. Guitars, the gear, the the gear that 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 some of the greatest axemen in rock and roll play. Oh man, you know I keep getting this this call from the UCLA alumni wants money from me. I I, I graduated there thirty five years ago and they want money from me, but I don't I don't have the money to give to UCLA. They're rich, and they keep calling me. I know that's the number, so I never answer the phone. Anyway. So I'll be Saturday uh, at Lisa S. Johnson's booth, 108 Rockstar Guitars. And I'm going to be walking the floors because I was involved with a book called The Rockstar Remedy. Talk about getting healthy. Dr. Gabrielle Francis wrote and published through uh, HarperCollins this 
magnificent book, which I did twenty about twenty four interviews. I interviewed your brother, Rudy, and it's about survive. It's about really surviving rock and roll and living the healthy holistic life. You know, Robert, I got one in the car. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you. You'll love it. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. And um, there's a lot of great artists in it, but it's mostly Dr. Francis who who is a holistic healer, chiropractor, uh, herbal medicine. She has a website called the Urban, H-E-R-B-A-N, Alchemist, urbanalchemist.com. And just look for uh, her book. And I'm going to be walking around, and whoever was like in the, who I interviewed, and I interviewed a lot of people, Lita Ford, Orianti, Steven Tyler, Dave Navarro, um, John Waite, uh, Phil Collin, Robert's brother Rudy, um, and 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 was really about diet and recipes and just cool stuff. I think you you'll enjoy the book, and if you see me on the floor, just say, "Hey, Lon, I heard you talking about that book on your on your podcast." So that's what I'm going to be doing, collecting like data for uh, her content for her website because I'm going to work on that. I just like healthy projects right now. And those are good. And then I'm I'm trying to write a third book, but I don't know what it is yet, but it's coming. I feel like it's coming. I've been reading books. I read this rem- just remarkable uh by autobiography called Miss Odell by Chris Odell who was the co- the confidant to the Beatles and the Stones. She worked for the Beatles and the Stones like like when they were making the White Album and she sings background vocals on Hey Jude. <laughs> and she had relationships with a lot of those artists. But it's so genuine, her voice. And I, I just, I ate this book up in a, in like one day, read it cover to cover. And then, <clears throat> then my ex, Joyce, gave me this great book called... Um, Working Class Mystic, A Spiritual Biography of George Harrison, which I read cover to cover in like less than a day. That's a fantastic read. You know that George was so into Hinduism that he 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 just could compel, he was so compelled to put it in all of his music, and a lot of people didn't get him. They thought he was like trying to convert people. But if you listen to On Sgt. Pepper's Within You, Without You, I mean, that song, it just doesn't fit on the record. But go back 40 years and listen to it now. It's it's like one of my favorite songs on Sgt. Pepper's because I've gotten, you know, my own sense of spiritual wandering. And I love George. George was the, you know, he was he was the quiet, mystical Beatle. And it was his time to go. You know, George Harrison died when he was my age right now, 58. So, life and death. Anyway. Robert Sarzo, you'll be at NAM. Which booth are you going to be in? <laughs> Who are you hawking? Who are your gear masters? Well, you know, I uh, I play Ovation guitars. I play Gibson. I will be uh, with Line 6. I will be with Clear Tone Strings and and, and uh, Picks. And um, let's see who else. Peterson Tuners. See? All, all the great stuff. Um, he literally wears many hats. And uh, <laughs> I will be doing a signing at 1 o'clock at the... Uh, what day? Uh, Saturday, Saturday at the Gangstar uh, Apparel, the clothing uh, company oh, okay, yeah. that I wore a lot uh, during Queen's Right Tour. Oh, uh, good, good. 
Yeah, so I'll be there at 1 o'clock, come by and say hi. and uh, Right on. So it'll be fest. Mm-hmm. And I, all I could say is like there's there's an energized page on Facebook, which uh, I, I pay no attention to except to check to see if anyone's still out there because I still haven't gotten to 1,000 likes in a year and a half. <laughs> but I don't promote myself. I let the wind promote me. And people... Uh, People that have sent me messages, you know, rip fans, and that they keep me, they keep me really going because I had, I didn't have the easiest year after my mom passed last year, and it was, you know, moving back to the desert. But that's maybe in the third memoir. All I could say is from the bottom of my heart, being back in the studio, talking to artists, sharing their truths, bringing it together, playing music having nobody telling you that you can't put on two 10-minute songs on a, in over a two-hour air shift. That's what it's all about, freedom. And what I've gotten is a whole sense of deja vu. And, okay, more synchronicity. My first concert, Robert, my first concert was Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young at the Forum, Four-Way Street. 1970, I think 70 or 71, and uh, Dallas Taylor was in that band. He just passed a couple days ago. Mm. Matt Sorm did a really nice post about him. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm coming to do this show. Um, I have Deja Vu sitting here in the studio because I love coming here every Monday night, and we just lost Dallas Taylor. We talked about life and death here, and I figure I'm going to go out and we're going to listen to Deja Vu by Crossy Stills. Oh, that's a great track. Yeah. And I'm going to just send out uh, gratitude to the universe. And Big Stu, thank you. And Robert, thank you. Wayne Swinney, thank you. Mike Stark, behind the glass, my brother. Thank you. You're going on your Michael Fronte spearhead sister Hazel cruise. Everybody <laughs> on a move. La, la, la. Everybody, let's groove. You make sure you say to Michael Fronte, uh, Lon Friend sends love. Because you're going to get a big hug from that big six foot eight Rastafarian San Franciscan. I will definitely pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Thank you. And I feel